Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes, so each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris. And first and foremost, a special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio at One Rock Center in Manhattan, New York, for sponsoring and producing this podcast. I'm incredibly grateful. And also a special shout out to the incredible Patreon community that helps keep the metaphorical lights on for the Refined Collective and is really just such an incredible community of people. Patreon has become my my little community, my little safe haven on the internet where I share, to be frank, the most vulnerable parts of my story, things that I'm questioning, going through, things that I'm not quite ready to talk about on the podcast. I am talking in community with the wonderful Patreon family. We've actually almost tripled in membership this year, which has been so fun and such a gift to get to know people and create weekly, awesome, exclusive content for them. So if you want to learn more and sign up for as little as $5 a month, go to patreon.com slash the refined collective. And if you don't want to join no big deal, come enjoy the podcast, be here, hang out on the Instagrams, all the things like, I love you. I'm grateful for you. I'm glad that you are here no matter where or how I get to connect with you. So thank you for being here. We are supported by Satya Jewelry. I am such a fan of dainty, delicate, and feminine jewelry. I also am a firm believer that the physical is always an invitation to the spiritual. This is why I'm so excited to be partnering with New York City female-founded jewelry company, Satya Jewelry. Satya means truth in Sanskrit. And Satya Jewelry has been creating inspiring, spiritual, and intentional jewelry since 2002. Satya Jewelry creates beautiful, spiritual pieces using sacred and meaningful symbols and semi-precious gemstones renowned for their healing properties. Cast in sterling silver and 18 gold plate, each Satya Jewelry design is created to bring joy, peace, and hope as a celebration of all backgrounds. I am currently wearing the Eternal Seeker Choker Necklace. It's so feminine. I love it so much. It's gold-plated with these beautiful Labradorite gems throughout. And the intention behind the gemstone is imagination, perseverance, and truth, which I know I could use some more of that in my life, y'all. In partnership with the Satya Foundation, Satya Jewelry has helped raise over $1 million in donations to help empower and support children worldwide through social and economic initiatives. To dive into the beautiful world of Satya Jewelry, visit www.satyajewelry.com and use promo code RC15 for 15% off your first order. That's www.satya jewelry.com with promo code RC15. All right. Today is the last podcast episode of 2021. And I'm I'm kind of in shock that we're back here. Although when I really think about it, 
last year's end of year episode seems like 12 years ago. <laughs> I think last year I talked about how dating has forever is forever changed because of 2020. And yeah, I just kind of unpack how the pandemic and politics and how so much stuff changed for me forever because of the year that we went through last year. And as I've been thinking through and processing, what do I want this last episode to be? What do I want to share with you? What do I want to offer? What do I want to invite myself and you into? One thing came to my mind instantly. And let me back up a little bit. So earlier this year, you know that my book launched Sexless in the City in April. And to, <laughs> to be honest, I have been so freaking tired. I have felt burned out, exhausted, and so excited about the book. But also, you if you follow me on Instagram, you also know I received like a ton of flack from a lot of people for questions I was asking in that book. And I found myself post book launch, just done, done with everything, feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't have a creative bone left in my body. Yet here I am, here I'm standing on this hamster wheel of this podcast that I created. No one asked me to create a podcast. I created it. I wanted to create it. I still want to create it. And now I have sponsors and contracts. So I am contractually obligated to have certain episodes go live on certain weeks. And yet I have felt so burnt out and I needed space. So what I did was I took, I think, 10 weeks off from recording episodes. And that's when I went live with the TRC remix. I republished some of our highest downloaded episodes of all time to give me a break. And I expected to leave that break feeling completely rejuvenated and completely ready to create more content for you and to put meaningful stuff out and have good conversations. But guess what? It wasn't enough time. I still felt really, really tired and kind of unclear about what's next. What direction do I want to go in? And I spent two months straight thinking and praying about, God, where do you want me to take this thing? What does this look like? What is the refined collective moving forward? And the only word I heard, the only invitation that felt really clear to me was to be honest. And at first when I heard that, I was like, um, hello, God, I am super honest. Did you read my book called Sexless in the City? How can you get more honest about that? But I still felt it. I felt this invitation to be honest and vulnerable with you in a new way. Which kind of which brings me to this episode that I have been doing anything and everything to busy myself except for recording this episode. I have been scrolling through Instagram endlessly thinking I need to record a reel right now and it's going to take me 90 minutes and I'm going to do it perfectly. Or you know what I really need to do right now? I need to clean out all of the old gross food out of my refrigerator. That's what I need to do right in this very second. The podcast can wait. And now I'm at the 11th hour and my producer is like, um, Kat, you need to get me this episode right now. You're ruining my life. So here I am recording it. And the only title that seemed to fit was I kind of suck at dating. And I wanted to talk with you about a dating experience I had this year and really be honest with you about what I'm moving through and what I'm learning, how I fumbled, like literally fumbled my way through this dating relationship. And it feels like one of my first really, I guess, public steps on the podcast to really invite you more into my process. I struggle with what to share and when to share it with you because advice that I got such a long time ago when I started The Refined Woman, not even the podcast, was share from a scar, not a scab. And when I am moving through something and my heart is still bleeding, if I'm like gushing blood, 
it's like, okay, before you make that a teaching point for other people, move through it yourself. Walk with people in real life and real time. Go to therapy. You don't have to tell all people all things all the time to be vulnerable, especially strangers on the internet. And what I have felt is that perhaps maybe I took that too far that maybe in efforts to really protect my process, that there's been some really meaningful experiences, not just for me to share. So you can like, let you, let me just teach you what I'm learning right now, but no, just let me just be human. Let me be human and let you into the process of my life. I think I have, I put this pressure on me that you didn't put on me that no one else put on me to have it together, which is really funny when I think about it, because the whole purpose of this podcast is to remove that Superman cape, to remove that shiny mask of perfection that was in my intro for a very long time. Actually, can't even remember if it's still in my intro. Yeah, I think once I gave myself this title of relationship coach the past five, six years, I... Like I haven't really wanted to let you into real-time experiences that I'm going through. I think I've wanted you to think highly of me. I've wanted you to think that I'm really good at what I do. And I've wanted me to think I'm really good at what I do. And I think also I have feared if I share with you my heartaches my dating experiences, my fumbles, my failures, how I'm giving you all this dating advice, even let's say specifically for online dating. And yet I'm single. I've put in the 10,000 hours and why isn't it working for me? It's working for other people, but I'm still single. I'm not in the relationship I want to be in. I'm not married. I'm, I'm not about to have a baby or any of that. And so I think I've also let this title of relationship coach in this position of quote unquote leadership that no one else put me in but myself, I realized that it's allowed me to be honest with while also hiding. Hiding, like if I really show you what I'm going through, maybe you won't respect me as much anymore. Maybe you won't want to listen to my dating advice. Maybe you'll see what is my biggest insecurity, or not my biggest insecurity, but a big insecurity of, man, am I just a fraud here? <laughs> am I smell- Am I selling snake oil here? So I feel like there's an invitation for me just to let you into my world a little bit. So this year I dated someone. Also, okay, one more caveat. I know there's a thousand caveats before I really get into this episode. Another reason why I I haven't and don't really share when I'm actually dating someone is because I do feel that it's important for me to have some privacy and I do like to protect my privacy. And also these guys that I am dating didn't aren't didn't sign up for a public relationship with a person that has like tens of thousands of Instagram followers or podcast downloads. They just wanted to date me. And so I really want to protect their story, our story, and just protect that process. And also I've seen so many people online have these very public dating relationships and then it ends or you stop seeing pictures of that person online and you feel super invested. I mean, you know me, I love Bachelor Nation. Like Tasha and Zach just broke up and I care so much. I want to know like, is she okay? Is he okay? What happened? And because these people invite us into these intimate details of their lives. Like sometimes as strangers, we feel entitled to know knowledge that really is none of our business. And so in with good intentions and in feeling a, a kindredness with the person we're following, we'll reach out and ask questions or offer insight or offer a shoulder to cry on. And I can only imagine how painful that is. You know, I mean, to have a complete stranger reach out to you. Why did you break up? Why aren't you posting anymore? What's going on? And so I've just really wanted to avoid that. And, and also 
like there's this, I have this like fantasy that I'll start dating someone and like you literally like won't know that I'm like dating anyone until I post my wedding pictures. <laughs> like I just think that would be really, really cool because I think it also can be so easy to pr- be performative about your relationship and be posting pictures on Instagram. Like when you start dating someone and almost be more like you care more about showing off your new person than you do about really getting to know them. Like, I don't just want to be like an Instagram ad or an Instagram influencer couple. Like when I'm dating someone, I really, really want to get to know them. But it's also fair and honest for me to say that I am afraid of talking about dating someone when I really care about them because I'm afraid it won't work out. Like, what if I let you into my process? What if I do post a picture And if I do do that, it's because I really think that this is someone really special. And then what if it doesn't work out? Like, what if I get rejected? Not only is it heartbreaking for me, but then to have that heartbreak feel public feels so vulnerable. So it's just like kind of a picture into my process a little bit. So when I share with you that I dated someone this year, I like, I'm literally crawling in my skin sharing that with you because if I know anything from when I started my sexless in the city blog series almost 10 years ago on my blog is that the last person that you expect to read a blog post or read an Instagram post, read your book is going to be the first person to read it. When I launched my sexless in the city blog series about a decade ago, before it was a book, it was it was a blog series about how I had fallen in love with the guy that I started dating in New York. And he was super private. And my blog was much smaller at the time. It was mainly my mom and sisters and aunt, <laughs> I think, that would read my blog at that point. And I didn't tell the guy that I had written about our dating relationship. And looking back, it's still, it's still in the blog. We, I'm, I might be courageous enough to link it in the show notes. But it is like the most gratuitous, like I am Buddy the Elf, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it type blog post. I look back and I'm like, oh, oh, she was just, you know, so in love. And I just wanted to share it with the world. And then I shared about the breakup on there. And I never told him because I just didn't, he was so private. I did not think that he even knew that I had a blog. (laughs) And yet he read every single one of those blog posts and came to me and was like, dude, why, like, why are you sharing our stuff online? And why didn't you ask me? Why couldn't we have had a conversation about it? So I've definitely learned since then that, yeah, probably the person I don't want to read or listen to it is definitely going to read it. Or I should just like be prepared. I need to prepare my ego for that. So I'm like preparing my ego (laughs) to have the guy that I dated this year, listen to this episode at some point. I don't know. I just feel so vulnerable about that. But yeah, I dated a guy this year. And he's the first person in a few years that I made it past date number two with. I have joked with friends over the last few years that I'm just the queen of first dates. I'm like, do I smell like onions? Do I put off a really bad first impression? Because I can get the date. I can get the first date. I get on that first date. And for whatever reason, I just have been on a ton of first dates in the last few years. And I could say a lot about that. Well, I'm super clear with what I want. And, and to be frank, there, none of those guys did I think there was ever a future with. So the fact that it not only got past date number two, but that we spent months getting to know each other and really exploring a relationship was really, it was really pivotal for me. I, I forgot, I literally forgot what it felt like in my body to have a guy around in my life. And I think something that felt really interesting, and here's the deal, I'm not going to share about his story, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, 
this episode is about me sharing what I learned about myself. So the, the fact is, we dove into something. Neither of us were perfect. We both brought our ish <laughs> to the relationship. Like my mama says, it takes two to tango. Um, and I say that mostly just to remind myself that our ending wasn't all my fault. Like it's easy for me just to ruminate and loop on everything I did wrong and just beat myself up and endlessly. Anyone else um, just love to beat yourself up and take 100% responsibility for all things at all times for all people. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's, that's me. But there were two of us. So I just need to remind myself of that because in this episode, I'm really just unpacking how all the ways that like I blew it. That being said, I am the common denominator in any dynamic that I'm in. And the only person I can change, fix, or grow is myself. And that's what I'm committed to doing and being is a person who is willing to look at her shit and take ownership and learn and grow and then put myself out there again. Because if there's anything I've learned this year, it's this, that love is always worth the risk. It's always worth the risk. So one of the first things I experienced in getting past date number one with a guy is just how uncomfortable I feel sharing my life with a man. I have four sisters and one brother. I grew up surrounded by girls. My job is being surrounded by women like more or less, you know, yes, there are men that listen to this podcast and please share with more of your guy friends. Cause I think it, it is a message and a conversation for all humans, but I feel super comfortable about around women. I feel really safe around women. And I did not realize just how many walls I put up with men until co- getting to know a guy. And what would happen, this dynamic would happen where, man, first of all, I really, 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 really like this guy. Like, oh my gosh, liked him so much. <laughs> and I like, I just laugh because so much like went awry, but I liked him so much. Yet I was so scared of letting him know how much I liked him because I was really scared of letting him see me. And then, oh my gosh, if I show him my heart, what if he rejects it? Yeah. So I, I was unwilling to really let a lot of guards down. I put a lot of walls up. I was really prickly. (laughs) It would show up as me being like really defensive or like me wanting to be right when I really didn't need to be right. And like the, I don't know exactly what it's called, but I'm going to call them like bids and invitations. All I wanted was this guy to move towards me. All I wanted was for him to put himself out there and, and make a plan or tell me he missed me or tell me he wanted to see me. And that's all I wanted. Like I would literally think about it all day long. Like, what am I going to hear from him? What am I, when am I going to see him next? And oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And what's that going to feel like? And I can't wait to kiss him. And then he would move towards me. He would make a bid or an invitation towards me. And I was like a freaking ninja and would be like, like stiff arm him. It was this knee jerk reaction. I felt like I was at the doctor and the doctor was doing that hammer thing on my knee. I didn't want to kick him, but it felt like the hammer would go down. My knee would kick. And I felt like I was constantly backpedaling like, Oh my gosh, I did it again. I, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Oh, like I I really do want to see you, but ah, I got scared again. (sighs) I didn't realize how scared I was of being hurt. And I think that feels like humbling to admit because I think so much of the coaching that I've given you is put yourself out there. The best thing to do is be clear. Communication, communication, communication. The the best thing you can do is be honest with where you're at. The worst thing that can happen is they won't they'll tell you they don't like you and no one has a bad day when they find out you have you have a crush on them or you're interested in them. Like all these one-liners I've said for years. I was like 
screw those one-liners. Like my, one of my best friends, Tutti, who was recently on the podcast was reflecting some of those one-liners back to me as I was like in this experience. And I was like, those are stupid. I hate them because yeah, they might be true, but like my heart is activated and something is coming up for me. And those like one-liners actually don't help me and they actually don't feel very empathetic. So yeah, he would make bids and movement towards me and I would stiff arm him or act like I had plans when I didn't, or he would want to FaceTime and that felt really vulnerable for me. And I felt really nervous. Like, oh my gosh, my, my eyes are puffy today. I don't want him to see me. So let me just pretend I don't like FaceTiming. And oh, I just like going on walks when I'm on the phone, which I do like going on walks when I'm on the phone. But it would just be these little tiny self-preservation strategies. Or another way I kept my walls up is I call it playing the cool girl. And playing the cool girl, aka kind of having an avoidant attachment style, if you know about attachment styles. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this, because I don't know if this is just me being a part of New York City online dating culture for almost a decade. But I did this thing when we really started being intentional. And I was like, yeah, just so you know, like, I'm still dating other people, like, we're not exclusive. And like basically put that out there. What I really, where my heart really was at was I actually don't want to get to know other people. I just want to get to know you, but that feels really vulnerable to say. And also I want to take things really slow. So can we like, it's like in my head, there wasn't the in-between between taking it slow and and like being boyfriend and girlfriend was to be dating other people. And I've also dated a ton online for the last 10 years. And almost everyone, everyone that I know that dates online is like, yeah, like you're not exclusive until you're exclusive. Like the assumption is that everyone's dating around until you have a conversation. I don't know, five dates in, 10 dates in, I don't know, four months in, three months in, or whenever you want that, Hey, I'm not seeing anyone else. I'm only seeing you. And that's sort of the realm that I've lived in is that the assumption is that none of us are exclusive until we are, until we actually have that conversation. And so I think what I told the story I told myself when I shared that was, oh, I'm just sharing what we already both know that we're, we're not exclusive until we are. But really what I think I was doing was protecting myself, was keeping him at bay, was keeping that, keeping those walls up just a little bit, you know, don't let him know that I like him too much. I like you, but I'm keeping my options open. And I, all I can do is just look back and put my hand on my heart and have compassion and be like, Oh, cat, you were just scared. You were scared of letting someone in. And this was a strategy that you used to protect yourself. And it definitely backfired on me. And also fun fact, yeah, I went on like two dates with other people at the very beginning. And I basically just did them because I felt like I had to. And I basically was thinking about the guy that I really liked the whole time. So I had big, big walls up, big walls up. When he moved towards me, I stiff-armed. I got scared. I played the cool girl. Yeah, I like you, but, you know, I don't like you too much. But really just lots of fear of getting hurt. As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross-country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now, or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were? about our careers. The reality is women are having children later in life, but biology hasn't changed and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. 
That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refined, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refined Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. I'll be honest. I'm not the greatest cook in the world. In fact, stepping into the kitchen can feel really overwhelming for me. But over the last year, I've really worked on trying different recipes and honing in on a few dishes so that I can feel confident whipping something up either for myself or last minute when friends come over. And a few of those recipes in my back pocket are now a good frittata. Y'all, I can make a good frittata. Gluten-free banana bread, even a shepherd's pie. I've actually recently been working on a shrimp and brown butter pasta that, mm, let me tell you, is so good. In all my recent cooking experiences, I've realized how important investing into your kitchen tools are. I recently replaced my knife set. And knife set is being generous and describing what I actually had versus what I have now. I tried the brand Made In's Chef Knife Set, and it has changed my cooking experience. Now that I have professional quality knives, it feels like I was just using plastic party knives for all of those years. Made In's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Oh, yes. <laughs> Maiden products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and stay sharp. They have 28,000 plus five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Maiden has better cookware for better meals. So right now, Maiden is offering the TRC listeners 15% off your first order with promo code CAT. That's K-A-T. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Maiden products. So go to madeincookware.com slash CAT, that's K-A-T, and use promo code CAT for 15% off your first order. That's made in M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com slash cat and use promo code cat. Another thing that I learned about myself going through this dating experience is by now, you know, I'm honest. And I I said at the beginning of the podcast, this new word for me is honesty. I want to be honest with you in a different way. But I came out out of the womb honest. I came out of the womb with an opinion. I have never really been shy to share my mind with people. But I have shared my heart with very few people. I share my mind with everyone. I share my heart with like three people. (laughs) And so I realized there's a big difference between honesty and vulnerability. You see, I'm a strong woman. I have a lot of opinions. I mean, listen to this podcast. I have a lot of opinions. Read my book. I have a lot of thoughts. I speak my mind. I've done this since day one. Like if there's a truth inside of me, like it burns 
my body until I am able to release it. I mean, you ask anyone close to me, they'll say, I'm a truth teller. I can say hard things. I say really hard things to people. And I, I think there's a balance in that because what I, what I realized through this too is I can say really hard things to the masses and I can say really hard things to women. But if there's a man that I really like and fear that they might hurt me, then I withhold. I withhold my truth. Or I come across with a big old chip on my shoulder. So, por ejemplo, (laughs) I mean, the first phone call that we had. I come in guns and blazing like, Hey, just want you to know I'm ready for a serious relationship and I'm ready for marriage and I want to have kids. Like I'm not messing around. And if you're not there, that's great. But boy, bye. And I've literally coached you to do that a lot as well. And I'm, there is a part of me that is proud of myself for being in a place where I am learning to develop this muscle of sharing what I want and where I'm at and being super clear with my vision when it comes to love and relationships and communicating that to a guy. But even as I repeat it, it just sounds like a chip on my shoulder. It's not an invitation. It's a demand. It's a, so what are you going to do with this information? Like it immediately puts me on the offense and him on the defense. And Yet I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. And honestly, I look back to that call. I'm like, man, what a kind, patient, (laughs) generous man to just, you know, take that and take that in stride and give me space. But I realized I can be, that's also, that's like, I realized that me saying that was honest, but it didn't share any of my heart with him. And in fact, I'm starting to see that I hide and bury my heart behind honesty. So like I shared a few minutes ago, here's a way that I was honest. No, I don't want to FaceTime with you since so much of my life is online during the day. It feels like work to me. Okay. Yeah, that's true. But what's vulnerable is I am nervous to sit still and look at you for an hour or however long we talk. I want you to think I'm pretty and I don't feel pretty today. And maybe I feel insecure about getting on a call with you or FaceTime feels kind of intimate and I'm nervous and I'm scared of letting you see me or what feels, what, what is honest is I'm ready for marriage and kids. And if you're not, I'll see you later. I don't want to waste my time. What's vulnerable is I'm in a season of my life where I feel ready for marriage and would like to have kids. I feel my biological clock in a way that I haven't felt before in years past. And the last thing I want to do is put pressure on a new relationship. But I I did want to be honest and see where you were with that. Here's what's honest. I'm still seeing other people. We're not exclusive. That's honest. It's a fact. But here's what's vulnerable. It's been a long time since I've really dated someone. I don't know what this looks like. Is it too soon to be exclusive? I want to take it slow, but I do not know what that looks like. Ooh, feels so different, right? Here's what's honest. I don't know if you're ready for a serious relationship. Here's what's vulnerable. I'm having some feelings about your readiness, and I'm scared to go all in because of that. What I'm really scared of is getting hurt. Do you feel the difference there? I, I, I feel it in my body. I feel the difference. Being honest was another way that I was having my walls up, guards up, guns up to preserve my heart. Honesty in this relationship looked like me giving unsolicited feedback without sharing what was being triggered in me. Honesty was making things about him or his shit or having a harsh, hard opinion or boundary without sharing anything real about my heart. You see what I'm, what I've been processing through is vulnerability, 
Vulnerability is the willingness to be seen, even if the other person rejects me or fails me. And being willing to share my heart anyways. Trusting that even if that happens, I'm okay. Because I am safe and at home in my body. God has me. God is with me. God is holding me. I am holding me and neither of us are going anywhere. So I experienced that my honesty can be rooted in ego and fear while real vulnerability is rooted in love and trust and surrender. And as I, as I further reflect on this, something I've been thinking about is, you know, thinking of honesty and vulnerability, like there's a price I pay for being vulnerable. And to be frank, I wasn't vulnerable in this relationship until things had ended. And we rehashed, you know, what, what happened? What went wrong? How did, how did we miss each other so badly? I feel like that is when I became vulnerable and it was painful. It was painful to open my heart to someone. It was painful to share my true feelings and then let myself be seen and then still feel rejected. So there's a price that we pay for vulnerability because like I can be vulnerable with my heart. I can share my whole heart. I can share myself, my fears, my trepidations, my joys, my wins. I can share that with another person and they still might not choose me. They might leave. They might not, they might see all of that and still not want me. Oof, and that feels like to me that like almost feels unbearable. And I think up until now, I believed it was unbearable. And because I believed it was unbearable, I played these games. I played the cool girl game. I played the hiding my heart game. I played the stiff arming and ninja warrioring the bids, the invitations. But I really sat down and I I journaled. I've been journaling a lot lately. I'm like, please, dear God, no one ever find and read my journals. Like if I died and my journals got discovered and became like people read them or anyways, if anything ever happened like that, I just feel like I would like die in my grave. In fact, a couple years ago, I, my, I was in New York city riding my bike and my journal fell out of my backpack as I was biking like 10 miles. And I searched the entire Manhattan, Brooklyn landscape and never found my journal. And I was like, that's it. I have to go into the witness protection program. It's been a good run. I am leaving life as I know it, throwing away my phone and computer and moving to Costa Rica and opening a yoga retreat center and never talking to anyone ever again. That's how I feel about my journal right now. But I've been in that. That was a little tangent. I have been journaling through like past heartbreaks that I've experienced. And I was thinking specifically about my relationship with my dad because I think so much of these dynamics of self-preservation in dating are because of unhealed wounds that I have with my dad. And my dad has been like my hero my whole life and kindred spirit, confidant, prayer warrior. I mean, we've always had this special connection. I shared about in my book that my parents said that my dad had daddy magic. When I was young, he was the only one that could get me to stop crying and and get me to go in bed when I was an infant, toddler, and even elementary school, middle school, he would come to my room and sing the Beatles Blackbird or Norwegian Wood or Hush Little Baby and sing me to sleep. We've always just had this really special relationship. And he has been the man in my life that I have given most of my heart to. And you guys know to an extent that that has also been the most painful relationship in my life. And I have felt more abandoned and betrayed and hurt and rejected by my dad than any other, any other person in the world. And we're in a place in our lives right now where we are out of relationship because of choices and decisions that he has made. And it's the, up until this point, the biggest heartbreak of my life. 
And so I was thinking about that relationship and I was thinking, all right, Catherine, if you had to do that all over again, like if you knew that this is where you would be at, at 36 years old with your relationship with your dad, would you have done things differently? Would you have protected your heart more? Would you have maybe not let him in as much or kept him at bay or maybe just chosen to have an altogether different relationship with him? And I really sat with this and I realized, no, like I, I actually wouldn't. I, in fact, the only thing I would have done differently with my dad is given him more of my heart and expressed verbally more how much I loved him and how appreciative I was of our special relationship. Like I, the only regret I had when it all comes down to it is that I would have opened my heart more. And that's saying a lot for a person who has walked through more grief in the last three years than I have in my whole life. Like I have walked through the freaking muck and mire these last few years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish what I've walked through with, with my dad on my worst enemy. And even still, I would do it all over again and then some. And so that has really challenged me in hindsight because I look at this relationship that I had with this guy. And honestly, like I even feel insecure saying it was a relationship because we weren't boyfriend, girlfriend. We, we weren't quote unquote exclusive. I've even been like, is this even a breakup? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he feels like it's a breakup. Like I'm over here sad and crying and you know what? Who knows? But it feels like a breakup to me. I had my heart open to a guy. I really, really liked him. We got to know each other and now we're out of each other's lives. That's a breaking. And so I guess it almost like doesn't matter if it wasn't a relationship to the other person or it wasn't exclusive. Like it was a relationship to me. It was significant to me. And I think, gosh, there's been so many other relationships I've had in my life where, man, I, I dated this guy off and on for four years and in my twenties. And it took me like maybe four years after we stopped dating to start calling him my ex. Like my therapist was like, it would be honoring to you if you referred to this person as your ex, just because you weren't Facebook official or he was schemy and like didn't introduce you to his friends. Like you were in a relationship with this person for four years. Like you're allowed to grieve that you are allowed to call this what it was. Even if this other person is not able to acknowledge that, like you're going through a breakup. So yeah, I feel like I'm going through a breakup, even though we weren't totally officially whatever together. And I don't know what he thinks of that. And it feels vulnerable having this out in the world because I don't know who's going to listen to this. All right. I got on a little tangent there and it felt important and I feel like I was going somewhere, but then I forgot where I was going. So we're just going to kind of go on to the next, the next point is that the work is never done. And I know that I know that in my head, but I realized that I have gotten pretty high and mighty about my own personal development, my own personal growth. I've been in therapy for years and years. I've done so much emotional intelligence workshops. Like I do the freaking work. I'm a relationship coach. Damn it. <laughs> I am coaching other people on how to date well. I'm teaching them how to get results. I think I needed to have this experience to be humbled and and to also have empathy for other people. Like the work is never done. I'm not perfect. And actually perfection is not the goal. In fact, I think the number one thing to look for in a relationship and to look for in myself is a willingness to grow. It's not perfection. It's not, it should look like this. It shouldn't look like this. It's, am I willing to grow? Like I even, I even took off on my Instagram profile recently that I'm a relationship coach. Cause I have felt so low. 
I have felt I don't even deserve to give anyone dating advice because I feel like a freaking hot mess right now. But recently, I, I can't remember where I heard this. I was listening to a podcast and uh, the person said, like, you can't do you can't do heart surgery on yourself. So I say that to myself to remind myself that, yeah, just because you're a coach, just because you're a leader doesn't mean that you also don't need a coach or a leader in your life. And yeah, I I think I have felt embarrassed or personally ashamed of, man, how guarded I was or how not vulnerable I was or how many walls I had up when I'm telling you very bluntly to do like the very opposite things that I was doing. And I think what I've just seen is like, I still need help. Like I still have some heart surgery. I am clearly still as much, as much work that I have done on my past and, you know, back to stuff with my dad worked through all of that stuff. I still have more to do and that's not embarrassing or, shameful. It's just being human. It's just being human. It doesn't discredit me from leadership or coaching other people. So I think, I think I have this like newfound humility of just being like, listen, I'm in process because what that looks like in relationship is an arrogance and conversation. So I, as the coach, as the relationship expert and person on their own high horse, I was able to see like everything that he was lacking without pausing for a second and realizing everything that was being triggered in me by him was just a mirror of my own stuff. So I was sitting here all high and mighty. Oh my gosh, like he's in a really hard place. He needs to work through his stuff. Like, I don't know if he's ready for this. Really, all of that was a mirror for myself. And to be frank, since things have ended in the last few months, I've experienced like more breakthrough and more healing than I feel like I have in like the last three or four years. And in fact, I I said, I think last week to my therapist, I was like, man, I don't even know how I thought I could even date until I let go of some of this stuff that we've recently let go of. Like I thought I was ready, but my heart was bleeding and all I could see was how his heart was bleeding. (laughs) People are just our mirrors. You know, Justin Timberlake said that very profoundly. (laughs) It's like you're my mirror. Oh, my mirror staring back at me. My ego wants me to make it about the other person, but growth and love and vulnerability says, man, we are two humans walking through life together. Our paths have collided probably because we attract people into our lives at our same level of growth and maturity. And the hurt I see in you is also in me. So I either get to make that about you or I get to pause and say, okay, God, what do you, what do you want me to look at? How can I grow? How am, how is me being triggered right now really about stuff, something or stuff that I haven't been willing to look at yet? And I think, which kind of leads me on to another point of just realizing, you know, relationships aren't about butterflies. They're about growing. When you really are in a relationship with another person and there's something about romance that is different than friendship, it just is. I don't know if it's like, I don't know, our like peepees are touching. Like there's something about romance that just hits on different parts of our hearts and wounds that other things don't. Just don't. And so I think I had this illusion that I was going to meet a person and it was going to be all butterflies and all romance and almost like this rom-com, how to lose a guy in 10 days, Andy, Andy Anderson and Ben, whatever Matthew McConaughey's character's name was and have these fun one-liners and it'd be flirty. And then we get together and the end, I never really thought with like, I never would have said to you, that's what I thought, but I think that's what the story that my body was believing Because the fact that we were triggering each other, the fact that both of us were moving through stuff, 
I thought that meant that we shouldn't be together. And I do think there's an aspect when you're moving through a lot of heartache, especially in the very beginning of a relationship, there might be some wisdom to pausing and saying, hey, you do you, I do me, let's regroup in a couple months. Let's see if we can like look at some of our stuff and and mop up a little of this blood, maybe get some stitches before we try to go on a run in the park together. I do think that, I really do. But I think there's this other aspect of, relationships can be our biggest source of healing if we allow them to be. Because when we're intimate romantically with someone, we're getting to know someone and offering parts of our heart that just don't get tapped on in other relationships. It's going to be our biggest opportunity for growth if we choose it to be. And so I had this attachment to how I thought love would look. And because it felt hard because, yeah, because it was hard because it didn't look how I thought it it should look in that moment. I pushed a lot of it away because I was scared. I pushed it away. Now there were also some like gut checks and intuition moments where like, I, I think my intuition is really speaking to me and I, I think the timing was ultimately off which leads me to my last point is timing is freaking everything. Like people say that all the time, right? Oh, it's all about timing. God's perfect timing. But holy hell. I mean, I hesitate saying some of this because I don't know who knows what will happen in the future or who I'll end up with or won't end up with. But to me, this person was like my dream person. Like, such a good fit in so many ways, like unicorn of a guy, but the timing was off. Like you can meet the perfect person for you. And if it's an imperfect time, it's not going to work. Or you can force the issue and bulldoze any chance that you'll ever have to be in a relationship with that person. I also wonder if that also means that if the timing is right, maybe someone that you wouldn't have necessarily considered, or maybe they're not the perfect person for you, but it, both of you are ready and it's kind of the perfect timing for the season of life, then the relationship works. Is that, is that what that means too? I don't know. Still working that out. But all I do know is you can meet someone who seems like the perfect person for you. And if it's an imperfect time, just not going to work out. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. It's really hard, especially for me, this, you know, I can be this like one on the Enneagram black and white thinker of like, no, like one plus one equals two. So we're supposed to be together. And this is what that means. Like, I'm not letting go of this because I know that this would be a good thing. So my invitation in my life right now is to trust and surrender. All right. Like maybe right now, this, the whole reason why God brought this person into my life was to be a teacher for me, was to be a catalyst for my growth, was to show me I am, I am paying a really high cost for not share, not being willing to share my heart with someone for having my walls up for being so guarded. I'm paying a really high price for that. See, what what I want it to mean is that I've met my person and it doesn't matter come hell or high water, like it's going to happen. We're going to be together. I just don't know that. Like we don't, we just don't know any of it. Um, Yeah, we just, we just, we just don't know. So I get to trust the process. I get to trust God's timing. I get to trust the timing of life. I get to surrender and not force things oh my gosh, all I want to do is control things and make things happen and prove. But man, that is an old pattern that does not work. Also, yeah, I don't, I don't want to force my way into someone's life. Like love is spacious. Love doesn't work like that. Love trusts, love trusts timing. Love trusts if, if two people are supposed to be together, that they'll be together love trust the process so that's where i'm at right now feeling a little insecure a little vulnerable sharing all this with you but this is what i've learned in 
2021 that I can talk a big game. I can be a big bark and a very little bite. <laughs> I have a lot to learn about dating. Maybe that disqualifies me from being a dating coach. Maybe it makes me a better dating coach. But what I do want to know is I just want to be honest about it to myself, to God, to my in time real life people. And I also want to be honest about it with you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this community. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you want to reach out on Instagram, The Refined Woman or at The Refined Collective, would love to yeah, hear if anything stood out to you. I would love to hear what you're looking forward to for 2022. We're taking somewhere, I think like at least a month off. So it's December 15th when this goes live. So it'll be at least until the week of January 15th until the next season. So you got a lot of old episodes you can binge on. Enjoy time with family. I don't know, maybe take a a social media break for a few weeks. I usually do that over the holidays. But what if together, I guess my invitation for, for you, for me, as I wrap up 2021, the Refined Collective Podcast is... What if we had permission for ourselves and each other to be in process? What if we understood that relationships can be our greatest mirrors and teachers? And that it's not just about butterflies and rom-coms. What if we received the invitation to not just be honest, but to offer our hearts? to be vulnerable like what would happen in your life what would change what would shift if you showed up with your heart not just your mind I know for me a lot would change and I feel the change in my body I feel like I'm going through metamorphosis I feel like things are shifting and I'm excited to see what's around the corner for all of that so happy 2021 thank you for being on this journey with me I love you.